Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Looking forward to this hour because I have Dr. Alex McFarland joining me. This will be our last conversation of 2019, so I'm looking forward to catching up with him and wishing him and his family a big Merry Christmas. And then Friday with Friends will be coming up after that, and Jane Lydon Kavanaugh will be joining me. So that's going to be a great hour. And there's always lots to talk about with Alex. And you go to alexmcfarland.com. That's his website. He's authored over 20 books. And if you don't have one, two, or three of them on your shelf, you are missing out because they're uh, fantastic books. And he's a great thinker and a great writer and a great lover of Jesus and a great communicator of the gospel. I want to be more like Alex in 2020, nice and gentle and calm. I think the whole world needs more of that. So let's take 60 seconds, and then we'll bring him on. This is Barry McGuire. I am a car guy who loves to share his faith. And think about this. 71% of the unchurched say they would most likely accept an invitation to church from someone in their life that they trust. So during this season, as you celebrate the birth of Christ, make sure you invite the unchurched in your life to church. You might draw a crowd. Don't keep the gift of God's Son to yourself. Share the good news so others can come to Him because of your obedience. And from all of us at Revive Outside the Walls, Merry Christmas. A great way to stay informed on what's happening at Faith Radio is through the Faith Radio newsletter. Just go to MyFaithRadio.com and click on the newsletter link under the subscriptions tab. Submit your information there and you'll be emailed a new newsletter the first Monday of each month with information on the latest interviews, articles, and giveaways. Again, visit MyFaithRadio.com and look under subscriptions to sign up for the Faith Radio newsletter. It is Friday, and I'm awfully glad to talk to Alex McFarland, regular contributor to the show, a great friend of Faith Radio, and um, a voice that I look forward to listening to and learning from as often as I can. Alex, welcome to the show. Well, Merry Christmas, Bill, and to you and your wonderful family and staff. Thank you so much, Alex, and thank you for the very special treat that you uh, do for us at Christmas time, and we get a couple of nice jars of Alex McFarland peanut butter which is the best peanut butter ever. Oh, you're so kind. You're so kind. You know what? I need to send you a whole bunch more. We, uh, to friends and colleagues and shut-ins and people around the country, we sent a bunch of peanut butter, and we made a big batch a couple of weeks back. And to be quite honest with you, I only sent maybe a couple of jars because I didn't know if we were going to have enough to send everybody Mm -hmm. on our mailing list. So, um, if we have a couple more, there'll be a couple of more jars coming your way okay. because I want to make sure all your staff gets a Merry Christmas Yeah, promise. well, I won't give it away, trust me. <laughs> if it comes to <laughs> me, it's staying with me. And just so you know, Alex, I went on the website because I was thinking, when is this uh, peanut butter going to become more available for me to buy versus being held hostage and waiting for my peanut butter every Christmas? And, and sure enough, you've got a website that's up and going, and during the break, I, I just bought three more jars, just so you know. Well, 
God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, yeah, you know, we're working on it, and um, we're it, it's kind of a, a thing that just happened. I mean, I'm an evangelist. I'm an apologetic speaker traveling the country, not looking to start a peanut butter company necessarily, but we were just making peanut butter every Christmas. My grandmother taught me how to make it, you know, way back. Um, she, I, I might have told you the story, but when I was a kid, both my grandmothers lived with us, you know. You, you remember the Waltons? Oh, yeah. You know, and everybody, the whole family lived there. I thought that's how everybody lived, you know. We, we were in the country in North Carolina. Both grandparents lived with us. And one time my grandmother on my dad's side, my dad's mom, she said, you know, in the Depression, we had to make our own peanut butter. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. How does one make peanut butter? And so she showed me, and I began making peanut butter just kind of as a on a whim, you know. And uh, nine years ago, or 10 years ago, 2009, we made up about 200 jars of peanut butter and gave to all of our friends. And everybody just sort of freaked out, and they were like, oh, my goodness, make more. And I was <laughs> like, okay. So anyway, uh, here we are, you know. Yeah. Alex, I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about the White Oak Coffee Shop. Oh, God bless you. Well, you did read the website, didn't oh, you? Oh, yes. You um, bet I did. This is run by your grandmother, Joy. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, here in North Carolina, there's Cone Mill, C-O-N-E. And if you've ever heard of Wrangler Blue Jeans, you have bought denim that came out of the Cone Mills. It was a Jewish family. Their name, I think, was actually Cohen. Okay. But they were great benefactors in the late 19th century. Here in Greensboro, North Carolina, they built the first hospital, Moses H. Cohn Hospital, Caesar Cohn School, which was like the first public school here. And the White Oak Mill made uh, Wrangler denim. I mean, there's a reason Wrangler was in Greensboro, because the Cohn Mills made all this corduroy and uh, denim. And so they built a hotel called the White Oak Hotel. My grandparents got married like, I don't know, something like 1918, and my grandfather and grandmother ran the White Oak Hotel and the White Oak Coffee Shop, which was a restaurant. And I'm told that like in the 20s, 30s, 40s, the White Oak Coffee Shop was the only restaurant open on Sundays, and there would be hundreds of people in line. And so my grandmother was quite the cook, and I found this picture and it's like the oldest, you know, known picture of my grandparents. They're in the White Oak Coffee Shop uh, making pies and stuff. And there's a picture of a, of a dear African-American man. He's long since with the Lord. His name was Lawson. And I remember when I was a kid and my grandparents were retired, Lawson would come to our house and make pies and eat Sunday dinner with us. And anyway, um, when we decided to really – invest a little bit of time into the peanut butter enterprise. I wanted to put up a little thing as a tribute to my grandparents. And um, hey, hey, Bill, have you ever heard of a, a beach called Myrtle Beach in South Carolina? Of course I have. Of course I have, yes. Yeah. Well, they ran a hotel in Myrtle Beach, too, that was only open like from, let's say, May to September or something like that. And my grandmother has all these pictures of Myrtle Beach when it was Kind of, um, I mean, right now it looks like the Vegas by the sea. Right. <laughs> but in in the 20s and 30s, it was like a fishing town with just one or two places. With and, potential. Uh, oh, you know, I just, I, I wish 
that they had bought lots of real estate back then. <laughs> Me too. But, but hey, I've got to ask you this. Yeah. Are you going to have a white Christmas in Minneapolis? Oh, yeah. It's already happened. we got plenty of snow. Excellent. But so we, did get, we did get a little bit of a, of a, warm, a warming trend. I think it's in the 30s today. So uh, here in the Twin Cities, it is not going to be a biting cold, and I'm A-OK with that, as are many people. It's still chilly enough with enough snow to do your outdoor activities, your sliding and your sledding and skiing, and then the out the outdoor bonfires, too. And it's a balmy 30-something degrees. Yes, it is. What is it where you are? Yeah. Um, right now, it's probably in the high 40s, but... Um, you know what biting cold, blistering cold is to me? It's like anything under 60. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> but um, now, you know what? I, I probably told you this, but one of my fondest Christmas memories, uh, when Angie and I were newlyweds, we got the Three Tenors Christmas album. You know, Pavarotti, oh, sure. Placido Domingo, and Jose Carreras. Well, we just love that Christmas album, and to hear the three tenors sing Oh Holy Night would bring tears to your eyes. So we were newlyweds, we didn't have much money, and um, the internet was like brand new. I think this was like maybe 99 or 2000. So this is 18, 19 years ago. Well, I got an email that the three tenors were going to do a Christmas concert in St. Paul, I think it was called the Excel Energy Center. Is yeah, that the right name? It's for- still called that, yes. So we saved up money. I'll never forget. The tickets were 98 bucks a piece, and we were like in the last row of the balcony. <laughs> so we fly. This is our Christmas, and we fly to Minneapolis, St. Paul. Some of your listeners, no doubt, were there. And there was an orchestra, and the three tenors did a Christmas concert. And I mean, oh, my goodness, a Dusty Fidelis and Oh Holy Night and, of course, all of their incredible voices. And, um, you know, I'm not so much an opera guy. I'm, I'm an oldies rocker, but I appreciate talent wherever I hear it, you know. And shortly after that, um, Pavarotti passed away. And then I think later, Jose Carreras, maybe. I think of the three tenors, the last one living is Placido Domingo. But my point is... In a beautiful, snowy, it was like December 21st of about Mm. 2000, we saw in St. Paul, Minneapolis, the final Three Tenors concert ever, and it was so special. Wow, that's a great story, Alex. All right, we uh, are going to take a short break, and we come back lots more with Dr. Alex McFarland. Go to alexmcfarland.com. We'll be right back in 90 seconds. Three tenors, live and in concert. Dr. Alex McFarlane is my guest. We could just play that song the whole way through, can't we, Alex? Oh, my goodness. You guys are great. Here with only seconds of notice, you you pull that up. <laughs> you guys are the best. That's Rebecca. And, uh, That's Rebecca doing her job so well. God bless Rebecca. And, yeah. You know, um, I, I heard on the, the 
bumper music. I mean, you were saying this would be probably our, our last on-air conversation this year before the new year. And let me just say how I thank the Lord for the Faith Radio Network and you, Bill Arnold, and all of your staff. And you so graciously have me on, and we talk about biblical worldview and apologetics. And uh, we get to fellowship on air and hopefully edify your listeners. And uh, uh, the Faith Radio connection means so much to me, and I thank God for the great work you do. Yeah, well, I know my listeners love you, and I always hear from them when you come on. So thank you for the great work you do and the way you stand so strong for truth. That makes that makes it all well, so wonderful. Well, you know, I've been very blessed. I got um, uh, an invitation to write for townhall.com, Sweet. and they asked me for, yeah, for real, um, I submitted an article about a week ago, and I'm, I'm finishing up one today, uh, Lord willing. Uh, they, they said, hey, write one article a week. And believe it or not, like I didn't really have time to commit to that. So I've committed to do like one article a month, but I'm doing trying to make sure I do two a month. But uh, I've got an article that should be on Town Hall probably by Sunday, um, really about – Christianity Today, uh, let me just say this. Uh, I was on a call with the White House this morning, uh, and I I just want to say that our president is doing so much on behalf of religious freedom around the world, persecuted Christians. um, I don't want to speak out of school and give you a wrong stat, but let me just say every week Christians are being martyred around the world. And um, our president, I happen to know from a call that I was on this morning, that our president is doing heroic, and I don't use that word lightly, heroic things on behalf of persecuted Christians. Um, He has also done something that I don't think will uh, uh, be in the news, but um, done a... um, made uh, an an order that strikes down federal funding of abortion. There there was a clause deep in the fine print of Obamacare that uh, quite a bit of money, millions of dollars a year uh, from every taxpayer was being used to fund abortion, and that's stopping as of this month. And uh, Christianity Today, you might have seen, had an article that came out yesterday saying we must remove this president um, how can we ever again claim any sort of moral conscience if we don't remove this president? And, and let me just say that uh, I disagree with that. Uh, respectfully, I, I very strongly disagree in terms of pro-life, in terms of religious freedom, in terms of this Constitution being upheld and defended, and all of the things that have made America great. Uh, I would say he has done very courageous, very decisive, and very um, consistent things, consistent with his campaign promises to advocate for the preservation of the Constitution, our our Bill of Rights. And certainly, um, this president is the best friend that evangelicals and pro-lifers have ever had. And there, there's no reason that he should have—I mean, this, this impeachment— even some Democrats are saying it's a sham. Um, and, you know, the articles of impeachment really mean nothing until they're taken to the Senate anyway. But if this were truly some sort of 
legal or constitutional crisis, they would move forward unrelenting. And there, uh, Pelosi and some of her colleagues, they're, they're trying to plan the most politically advantageous time to press forward on this in 2020. My point being, this is all a sham to try and uh, dis- dislodge a duly elected president that they hate because his worldview doesn't mesh with liberal progressive socialism. And so pray for our country. And uh, there, there's a lot more that I've been very privileged to hear about. But this is a man that we, we really honestly need to thank God he is in the Oval Office. And uh, I respectfully disagree with what I think is a very irresponsible position taken this week by Christianity Today. Alex, what about so many Christians who are so deeply offended by his lack of character and what they say about um, his language and his um, tweets and everything else? Yeah, well, I could, I, I will say this, and this is just me, I could do without two-thirds of the tweets. And um, I, I really, I personally believe, and you know, far be it from you know, a, a peon like me to school the leader of the free world, I really, I personally think he would uh, build himself a lot of equity if he did, uh, you know, restrain the candor a little bit. And maybe even, you know, come on TV and just speak very, uh, you know, very measured, very respectfully and say, look, this is why we're doing what we're doing. And we're, we're in a battle um, for the for the country in terms of character, though, I mean, I, I think. Uh, one mark of character is telling the truth and keeping your word. Um, even Rudy Giuliani back during the campaign said, Rudy, when it was far from clear that Trump would even be the candidate, much less the president, Rudy Giuliani said, I've known this guy 30 years plus. Like him or not, this is a man who keeps his word. And he does. Um, I was in meetings, you know, way back in 15 and then 16 when he was a candidate. And he said, I will be a friend to Israel. He, he made a campaign promise. He said, I'll move our embassy to Jerusalem. And, and half the world said that is utterly impossible. He did it. He said, I will only appoint pro-life constitutionalists to the Supreme Court. He's done that, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. Now, and to, you know, the editor of Christianity Today and to uh, Russell Moore and, uh, you know, Ed Stetzer and all the Christian never-Trumpers, I, I guess I would just ask, I would say, really, honestly, do you, would you really rather have Hillary Clinton, the high priestess of abortion, would, really, you would rather have her been in the Oval Office for the last four years? Um, the final thing I would say about character is, look, um, I'm not saying you should call him as your next pastor, but I I do know he has prayed the sinner's prayer. He's asked Christ into his heart. Is he, you know, um, seminary professor candidate uh, material yet? No. Uh, But, you know, Bill, I think about this. And, And I can honestly say, I mean, I prayed for Barack Obama and his family virtually every day of his presidency, and I still do pray for him. Pray for Hillary. I pray for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I pray for Nancy Pelosi. Um, You know, I wish them 
a robust relationship with Christ. I really did. But here's the thing. I mean, we love a Saul of Tarsus conversion story. So here, here is Donald Trump, a hard-driving businessman, capitalist, and he, uh, you know, in late in life, found convictions that either he previously had not had or were latent, and marriage and pro-life. And I mean, I, I, I know the circumstances behind his receiving Christ into his heart, and um, I mean, some of my closest colleagues in ministry know the story. So to those who would, is is he a sinner like all of us? Sure. But um, I honestly believe from the things I know on people of impeccable authority, that he is a man doing his best to govern this country constitutionally and in a biblical way and a godly way. And uh, you can't argue with the results. I mean, he is, he's kept every campaign promise in spite of the endless obstacles thrown his way by the left. And so, uh, you know, I, I honestly think we're in a spiritual battle. Franklin Graham had it right. I mean, we are in a spiritual battle, the, the forces of truth versus demonic forces. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Franklin was on with Eric Metaxas a few days ago, and Franklin said uh, it's almost demonic, the forces working against America. And Eric Metaxas, also a close friend of mine, said, uh, you know, not almost demonic, it is demonic. Because, uh, look, either we're going to be a country based on moral truth, natural law, moral absolutes, and we're going to view life as sacred, marriage as ordained by God. Uh, it, it, It is, as Mike Pence said in June of this year, the next election is not fundamentally between two candidates. It's between two different worldviews and two different futures. And... You know, I'm not blind. I, I, I don't think Donald Trump is perfect, and he's not our Messiah, obviously. As, you know, um, Russell Moore, the uh, less-than-evangelical guy that leads the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. By the way, I, I really feel like, you know, he is so far—Russell Moore is so far out of step with the 16 to 20 million Southern Baptist constituents that pay his uh, salary, it's really unfortunate for for all the Southern Baptists that, um, you know, speak with their cooperative program dollars. Honestly, folks, there should be somebody in the Office of Ethics and Religious Liberty for the SBC that is actually, you know, more of a conservative Christian. But... um, You know, I'm not blind. I'm not saying Trump is the Messiah or anything like that. But I'm saying, given the the political landscape right now, we're we're really fortunate that he's in the Oval Office. Alex, thank you so much for doing the show and being such a regular friend of Faith Radio. Uh, We're a little out of time, but have a wonderful Christmas and and, uh, blessings to you and your family. God bless you all. Merry Christmas to all. Thanks. Dr. Alex McFarland has been my guest. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll be joined... By Jane Lydon Kavanaugh. We call that Friday with Friends. Be right back. Seven on Faith Radio.
Welcome back to the show. I'm always uh, glad when I have Fridays with friends. Mm -hmm. I don't do it as often as I'd like, but when I do it, I love it. And I have a friend in studio today. Jane Leiden Kavanaugh is my friend who's in studio today. Jane, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bill. Nice to see you. Nice, nice to have you here. Merry Christmas Merry to you and your Christmas. family. Thank you. Yeah, I love your family. I love uh, everything about the Leiden Kavanaugh's. Mm, thank so you. Bill. There. So that's my Friday with friends. I love to gosh. I love my friends. <laughs> and Jane recently um, facilitated a retreat uh, talking about living with questions and walking with faith. And I want to hear all about that, Jane. <gasps> oh, it was great. Yeah. Bill, yes. Well, and, I love pulling together women of faith. And um, I was given the great task of uh, planning and facilitating an Advent retreat. And we had about 75 women at the Minneapolis Club downtown a couple weeks ago. Nice. When you get a Saturday morning with women of faith with some good There's some meat on the bone, isn't there? It's successful. Yeah, I bet. I bet. (laughs) And I bet there was some pretty uh, interesting questions that would come up. Um, Yes. Can I suggest one? Oh, my gosh. Please do. Yeah. So women want to know, uh, I'm guessing, they would want to know uh, how they can move into a a more intimate relationship with God. Um, Mm -hmm. Because sometimes people have a tendency of praying to God when they need something in hard times. Definitely that question came up. We... I chose three panelists to tell their stories because I, I believe that just women hearing other women sharing their faith stories is very, very powerful. So I chose three women, and, and one of the panelists did say um, she is a writer for a magazine. She lives in Edina, and uh, she... Uh, she covers stories of really poor parts of the country and their faith. And and she had a, just a beautiful question about, um, she just really identified herself as a person who just leaned on God in hard times. And she saw people who depended so fully on God daily, you know, in the little things in life. And she really admired these people's faith that she was covering. So um, the title of the whole retreat was Living with Questions, Walking with Faith. And her question is, how do I move from being a woman who just relies on God when I need God to a person who has a relationship with God and with Jesus and shares the joys and the sorrows and the, the important things and the little little things in life. So that was a big question. And she honestly didn't know how to do it because she had spent 55 years, you know, kind of compartmentalizing God in times that she needed God. And she knows she wants to leave that behind in in, in 2019 and move to a more fluid, personal uh, relationship. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think when you find yourself uh, covering people who have much less than you do, you realize they are depending on God for everything. And we sometimes in our creature comfort zone realize that we can cover some of our own bases that, or so we think we can, right? Yet we're still completely dependent on him. Oh, absolutely. She, she realizes she doesn't, she can turn on a faucet, get water. She can flick on a light, 
switch and there goes the light and she has a church that she loves available to her within minutes Mm -hmm. and that is not the case with people around the country who have to go far to worship and um really work hard for the for the necessities so that was a was a powerful moment in the retreat isn't it stunning to walk into a grocery store and see all this fresh produce just sitting there right um obviously fresh meats fresh bread fresh produce and we just kind of go huh oh hum. <laughs> it's true yeah. it's true you know there was um there Someone told me to look at my bills in a different way. I was I was going through my bills, and I had an issue, a skin issue, that I had to go to the dermatologist a lot, and my bills were just racking up, and I was getting frustrated and scared, and, oh, my gosh, this is so expensive. And I remember um, a, a spiritual director of mine just said, you know, instead of looking at those bills, Jane, and getting nervous and afraid and figuring out, try to... How I'm going to pay them, really look at what they represent and just be grateful. And honest to goodness, now I look at my bills and it's like, well, you know, this medical bill, I happen to be, all right, thank you for this medical bill. Thank you for mm. the for the doctors that this represented and that lab technician who read that, you know, that skin, that skin cell was okay. And thank you, thank you, trash, uh... Uh, Bill, because someone comes and takes my trash out of my sight every week, and I don't live on a trash heap. And thank you, Water Bill, because I can walk two feet, extend my arm, turn the faucet, and there's clean water right there. And I don't have to walk seven miles with two buckets for water. And you can press a lever and dirty water goes away. Exactly. You know, versus the the outhouse in the back or... You know, exactly. some of the disease that comes along with bad sanitation. I mean, we do have it remarkably good. I know. I know. And my heart is full of gratitude because as we're coming up on Christmas, we're just, I mean, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with joy that the Messiah has come. Yes, save, to save us, to save all of us. Uh, so true. Mm-hmm. Um, another question, can I, can I put out another question? Yeah, let's that took hear a lot it. of airtime at no, the No, this is good. At the this, yeah. Um, there was a woman who was a nurse, and she, her question, living with questions, walking with faith, was how do I bring more of my faith into my work as a nurse? And she just told the story of how uh, she, she works with people coming off, being pulled off of heavy drugs, so in basically detox mm-hmm. centers. And she just kind of painted the picture of us, uh, of how what a difficult process that is, and how mad and mean people can be when you're when you're detoxing. Oh yeah. And her faith, she has to lean in very hard because they're not easy to help and you don't ever hear a thank you and you don't ever hear gratitude with the type of patient she has and it is just sheer will and her belief that in this person who is hurting so badly and who hates me and hates <laughs> what's happening to them. Mm-hmm. There is Jesus in them, and my care for them must be solid and true. And um, and it, 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 her faith gets put to the test when she works with her clients. Yeah. And many of us in the workplace have our faith on the line 
I would say, I mean, that's a, that's an extreme case, but um, yeah, how do you bring your faith into your work life without talking too much about it and alienating people? How how to meet people where they're at? How to share your faith, but not too much? Do yeah. you have any? Well, in my case, you pretty much have to. <laughs> that's I mean, true. That's true. Not to call myself out here, but if I don't show up and talk about faith, I'm in big trouble. I know. But Bill, think of those of us. Those oh, of I know. us working in a very diverse workplace. Yeah, yeah. You with know? oftentimes a great hostility to anything spiritual, and they don't want to hear it, and don't you dare yes. uh, bring it up again. And I think of this yes. nurse friend who is really in a very challenging job with people who are not being very grateful. Mm-mm. And I know people who are in the hospital for normal stuff, mm-hmm. the relationship between that and nurses are usually pretty lovely. They can be. Mm-hmm. Yes, but not in her case. Yeah, so... Very hostile. She has to do... um get strength from the inside to see Jesus in them. That's right. And to serve them. To serve and them. And to um, make him the reason that she's doing her job. Yes. 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 So that, that was a beautiful, beautiful woman. We learned a lot from her. And can I share another one? Please. Yeah, we're <laughs> going to take a break in about two minutes, but we got lots of okay. time. Okay. Well, this one. Hanging with friends. I'll do this all day long. <laughs> this woman was a mother of six. And uh, she, her question, there was a sadness to her heart because her faith was a huge driver in her life. But none of her six children, um, it was not a huge priority in their life. And she wanted to know, how can I support my kids when their faith journey or lack of it, you know, uh, is so different from my own. And so there... That was really a beautiful, a beautiful question. And I think every mom in the room and grandmom can understand, wow, my faith is at the forefront, at the, the front burner of my life. And I want my kids to have that same faith and they don't. And how can I, how can I, and all these questions. And she said, did I, did I push too hard? Did I, you know, shove it down their throat? Did they mm-hmm. back off because I was too, you know, too manipulative or too controlling, or did I not do enough? And so that's, I think, the female voice, the female question is, you know, what did I do wrong because my kids are not practicing my faith like me? Yeah, and of course, at the holidays, Jane, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for families to gather again, mm-hmm. and that's going to feel more pronounced, especially if one of the adult children are pushing faith aside and saying, I'm not interested, and, and it's just not who I am anymore. And that can be heartbreaking, of course. But mm-hmm. we play, as parents, you play the long game and you continue to pray and love them and meet them where they're at. Yes. Uh, yeah, we talked about it's just a comma. It's not a period. Yeah. It's just a comma. And, and then you look back on your own journey and some of us did come in and out of you know faith being oh. a big driver and then not and then back right, again. So right. we, I, I like that, Bill, that you said it's, you know, it's the long term. We are, as parents, playing the long term Yeah, it's game. a long game. All right, Jane Lydon-Cavanaugh is my guest uh, Friday with Friends. I'm loving this. So we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back with lots more.
Welcome back to the show. I love Fridays with friends. I have in studio Jane Leiden Cavanaugh, and we uh, are talking about uh, women of faith. Uh, was it a, a conference, a seminar, a gathering? A we called it an Advent retreat. An Living Advent with retreat. questions, walking with faith. I like that very much. So let's chat a little bit about uh, uh, Mary. She, the angel, went to her and said, "Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you." Okay. And don't be afraid, you know, Mary, you have found favor with God. I mean, this is a young woman who uh, is pledged to be married and all of a sudden pregnant. Yikes. I mean, she said, yes, thy will be done, right? I'm a maid servant of the Lord. What other questions might she have had? (laughs) That's an interesting question because in the Advent retreat, uh, we took about, you know, we took quite a few minutes to brainstorm. What Mary may have may have thought at that moment, and the the questions ranged from yes, why me? Kind of a, a worthiness question. You know, why me? I'm not good enough for right. this fantastic thing to happen. Amazing uh, thing to happen. Yes, yes, amazing. And other questions were, what is Joseph going to think? What are my yeah. parents going to think? Oh yeah, I mean those really real questions. Um, and yes, what's going to happen? Do I have what it takes to walk forward with this news? And how can this be happening? Imagine that happening to you. Uh, I can't. I can't. Uh, and then as the verse goes on to talk about the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And I think, was Mary aware that the power of the Holy Spirit was overshadowing her at the time it was happening. I don't know any of this. I'm going to go to the information booth in heaven and go, all right, I got questions. <laughs> we don't know what happened, but we know when something extraordinary is happening to us, we have the same questions. Is this real? How will this play out? What will people think? Why me? So I think those questions are very, very real. But in the little community, I would imagine Mary had a child out of wedlock, and that kind of hung with her for most of her life. People would be looking at her in the market and going, oh, there she is. That is right. And Joseph um, wanting to divorce her, according Mm -hmm. to Matthew, Mm -hmm. and then being warned in a dream to take her into your family. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, you know, that is, I was just thinking about that, how the law was kind of superseded at, at that point. But there, there are points, I think, that you have to walk around it, relationship over the dogma at that point, mm-hmm. right? Because law said. Right. So I think, and, and, and ultimately that was the dance Jesus himself played later on, questioning the dogma and put relationship over dogma, mm-hmm. especially what his point of view with the Pharisees who were overly, overly concerned with every last point of the law. Yeah. So it started back then, even with Mary and Joseph. Mm-hmm. So I want to get back uh, a little bit, Jane, to when you start to, uh, I know at this conference there was some questioning as to uh, what phase of life am I in when you feel losses and you feel the pain of transition that you know you can't really come back from? Yes, there were a lot of, um, I would say, 
60, 70. There were some 80-plus-year-old women, and there was even a 90-year-old there. And yes, there were a lot of um, questions like, how can I accept all the loss of ability that I'm experiencing now? And many of them, they're in a period of going to two and three funerals a week. I know my mom is telling me how many funerals she goes to. A week in this. How do you how do you accept that loss of friends, especially right now in the holidays where there is so much? There's such an invitation to be joyful, and yet you have people. This is not a joyful chapter in their life, especially the ones dealing with end of life issues and aging issues. So much loss, so difficult. So how to hold the joy and the loss in the same space? Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah, and it's so important to try to live that out in community. I was standing at the bank yesterday and there was a woman that came in and was overhearing the conversation I was having with the teller. And she sort of got interested and started asking me some questions. And I, I, I asked her how her Christmas preparations were going and do you feel in your heart ready to celebrate? And I didn't know anything about her. But the next thing I know was she was sharing that she had just yesterday completed cleaning out her 59-year-old brother's apartment who had died from kidney cancer. And this was going to be the first Christmas now without him. And he had three kids, and she's now starting to take care of them. And you, everywhere you turn, Jane, there is a story that we need to live out in community. We need to be caring, loving, and being there for other people. I would agree. And I love that phrase, isolation is fatal. Oh, it is. And that's why one of the reasons why I invest my time in, in, in creating retreats is because I really do believe in the power of getting people together, sharing their faith stories, and that response is, oh, you too? I thought I was the only one. There's healing just in that because mo- a lot of people feel so alone in their own story or their own loss or their own sadness. And then when you gather in, in retreat uh, with other women, um, there is a camaraderie or a bond there that is uh, that is beautiful. And it just takes you a little step more into healing. And it's always important to take uh, your little story and put it inside God's big story. And sometimes when you don't get together in community, um, your story seems real big and God's story seems smaller. So it's important to reverse that and take your little story and put it in God's big story. I agree. Yeah. And certainly Advent and Lent. Um, are, are, are for sure times, especially when you can um, look at that story and put your teeny tiny life yeah. <laughs> within it. Yeah. So, Jane, in 2019, the most uh, searched scripture verse was about worry. That was the one that got more searches than any other verse was, what is the verse for worry? And it turns out it's Philippians 4, 6, and 7 that says, don't worry about anything. But in all your prayers, I ask God for what you need, always asking with a thankful heart. And God's peace, which is far beyond human understanding, will keep your hearts and minds safe in union with Christ Jesus. Now, having said that, and showing how cool I am by quoting Scripture, yes, I, was so I wasn't reading that. That was for memory. All right. Bill. You should be more impressed, Jane. I am. No, look at my face. No, yeah, I, I should see slightly more surprised. <laughs> <laughs> no. My point is, at your retreat, did you hear about worry? Was that a central theme? Did that come up more than once? Mm. Wow. Yes. It would have to have come up, right? Yes. 
yes, there were some financial issues going on at the retreat. People worrying about having enough resources that they need for sure. Um, I, I would say that is a tendency, yes, for people to worry. But those people who can feel the, the God with us, the, the Emmanuel presence, which also is an Advent message, if you really look at that word and that title and really dwell with Emmanuel, God with us, it eases the worry a little bit. Again, we get back to the alone part mm-hmm. with Emmanuel, God somehow and another advent message certainly is everything is possible with yeah. the lord nothing is impossible right isn't that scripturally more that, what it said yeah that's um, matthew nineteen twenty six. Oh, <laughs> once man, again man. <laughs> yeah you're killing me <laughs> i know i know um, but you, i want to go back to the isolation because mm. i do know that the as much as we all love to gather at Christmas time, there's going to be a number of people that are going to not have a place to go or they may not be welcome in a place they were once welcome. And there is an opportunity for them to feel uh, alone. Maybe their spirits might be a little bit on the crushed side. So uh, how do we encourage those sweet folks today? Well, it is a really good invitation, Bill, to this advent and this holiday increase that circle of who is family to you my i had an aunt my aunt joanne i got to do a shout out to her because she was one of those women that the the family line was blurred you always had a neighborhood kid or you know one of the kids friends there even in their christmas cards there would be these weird people (laughs) not sure they're a blood relative right exactly but that was aunt joanne and i god bless her she's gone now but i really appreciated the question who is we who is we was broad and vast and i think that is a wonderful question for all of us in our yeah. country yeah. now, is who is we, and can we expand it? Because I do think that was one of Jesus's main messages. Yeah. Broaden who you consider family is. Yeah, I think it was Billy Graham that said, imitating Jesus is opening up the door to friendship. <gasps> what a simple and profound thought. Now, yeah. speaking of family, you and you have an interesting one. Uh, your, your mother, your beautiful mother is how old now? 90. 90. Okay. And your grandparents, tell our listeners about your grandparents because they were unbelievably cool. My grandparents were in the Guinness World Book of Records for having been married for 83 years. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That, no, it's, it's more than amazing. <laughs> yeah. They were 16 and 17 when they were married. Uh huh. And they both died at 102. And uh, that is, I mean, I'm on year 18. Can you imagine having that many more years to... <laughs> I won't make it to 83 because that would make me like 150 years old. But uh, good for them. I had them as role models. Thick and thin, yeah, 83 they, years. They just stuck it out, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> and they had my my daughter, Tess, was the 99th great grandchild and there were far more than her i mean oh yeah she 99 she was 99 it went on i'm sure it's a great grandchild great grandchild wow yes that's um believable i know bill i know we have a big family yeah in hugo minnesota those french 
Hugh, oh, he, that's where they're from? Hugo, Minnesota? Yeah, named after Victor Hugo. Well, I knew the that. Great I knew that. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm pretty smart, I think. <laughs> fun fact. Yeah, fun fact. Well, uh, Fridays with Friends, no better way than to, uh, than to spend this time, Jane, talking about Advent. This has been great. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for coming in, Bill, yeah. for what you do. Oh, aren't you nice? That, my guest has been Jane Lydon-Cavanaugh. And that wraps up our show for the day. Thank you so much, uh, and have a wonderful weekend as you lay your head on the pillow tonight. Know that God is working out his great, great plan in your life. That's it for the week. It's time to ring the bell. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.